to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming A.M. Davies. Uh, They are a veteran stripper, sex worker, activist, a new amputee, and the creator and host of Yes, a Stripper podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Okay, so I encourage folks to go over to your podcast and your website to hear your full story on encumbered by my voice. But um, since we're here on this podcast, how do you feel about folks asking like what happened when they noticed that you have an amputated lower leg? I think it depends. Um, If it's a stranger, I I don't like it at all. Um, If it's like, so for instance, my mother's best friend here in town, her husband asked me a bunch of questions and that's chill Mm -hmm. because like there are neighbors and they've been my mom's friends for a really long time and they care about me and my mom. And, and so I was fine answering his questions because when we left, my mother was like, Oh, was that okay? That he was asking you all that. I was like, yeah, it's Roger, you know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then the other night at a restaurant, somebody, you know, one of the staff members there asked me a bunch of questions and I was so irritated um, because... Yeah, like it's so invasive, like it's not your business. It really is. And 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 it reminds me of like this obsession that people have with needing to understand other people's bodies that, Mm. that, that are a stranger to them. Like, you know, you see someone and you're like, oh, I, I wonder what happened to them. And by asking those questions, it's like, sort of, it's very entitled. It's an entitled way of being like, I must know what happened to that stranger. Um, and it's like, it's, it's them just like appeasing their own curiosity for the sake of not being curious anymore, you know? And so it's very selfish to ask the stranger what happened to your body. I mean, it makes me think of like gender stuff too, you know, of people just needing to categorize and put someone in a box of like, how will I ever know how to interact with you if I don't know how your leg got (laughs) amputated? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so, yeah, it just, it depends on the setting and the person and the manner in which it's done. Mm. Mm. And when does it feel like an empowered story that is yours to that you want to tell? I think when I'm just in the mood of talking about it, mm-hmm. um, because I have gone through different phases of how I feel about it. And so when I've decided, okay, this is how I feel about it now is mm-hmm. when I decide to talk about it. And I think on my own terms is, is when it feels empowering to talk about it when it's my yeah. decision and my time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and obviously this question gets asked because it's like a visible thing, right? Like, yes. I mean, I'm a therapist, so I obviously am asking people like, how come you're feeling anxious right now? Or like, what's the depression? But you don't, you don't encourage strangers to go up and be like, what's your trauma? Like, tell me all, tell me all about it. And especially because maybe they don't see it. 
Right, right. And a part of me is grateful that my trauma is more visible Mm. because when I had um, a half foot amputation and my, you know, my injury was not as visible and I would be in situations where I would just be in extreme pain or have a handicap placard in my car and not and it just looked like I'm normal, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I was dealing with a massive traumatic injury still and not taken seriously in a way. And I have other friends that have invisible disabilities and it can be more of a struggle for your disability to be invisible. Um, To get your needs met and tasks. Exactly. Yeah. And, and not have people question you like, well, you look fine, you Mm -hmm. know, and you just never know what's going on with people. I just, you know, this is a call in to ask people to just be more compassionate (laughs) towards each other. Yeah. Yeah. And how obviously you're one person. I think everyone with a disability of any kind has their own maybe idea of what feels comfortable for them. And do you personally have a preference of how you would like someone to check in with you and be like, hey, do you need help? Are you all right? Can I, you know, offer any support in any way? Like, how do you like to receive that? Yeah. So like in an in, in a situation where if it's a stranger, um, I I appreciate somebody asking if I need help, if it looks like I'm struggling. Mm. You know, just like if I had my whole foot and I was struggling, I mm. would appreciate somebody asking if they could help me. What I just don't, like be someone being a nice human noticing. <laughs> yes. What I don't like is when I'm doing perfectly fine and people are like, oh, can I help you? As if I'm not capable. It's very, it can be a very fine line of like, mm-hmm. and then sometimes the person could be totally appropriate and I'm just fucking pissed off that day. And yeah. I don't <laughs> want like, anyone. Fuck off, I don't need your help. <laughs> exactly. And, um, but I still would never be a dick about it, you know, but how I would feel about it. And then later I might be like, okay, you're upset about something else, not because yeah. that person tried to help you. But I think mm. the way it feels good is it's just if I look like I'm d- dropping things and falling down, regardless of how many fucking feet I have. Yes, yeah. I would appreciate if you offer help. And if I say, no, I've got this, then respect that answer and allow me to struggle if that's my yeah. answer. Yeah. And that's tough because I imagine it's subjective. Like you said, if someone's looking at you and sort of projecting their own stuff onto onto you or onto us as humans, they might think like, oh, you're certainly struggling, even if you're not struggling. Right. Based on their own fear of like, what would I do if this happened to me? Right. Exactly. And I have experienced situations where I'm treated like a juvenile in a way. Mm-hmm. Because like it's being infantilized. Yeah, because like maybe my brain doesn't work well because I'm missing a foot. Like I have experienced people treating me like with child gloves. It's like, listen, man, it's just my mm. foot. Like I have a brain. I'm perfectly capable of having an adult conversation with you. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's been very interesting. On the flip side, there are obviously are folks who like fetishize amputation. Oh mm-hmm. What are your feelings about that? Mm-hmm. And how has that shown up in like the way people partners like patrons view you and talk to you yeah i have not had sex since my amputation i have not had any intimate encounters a lot of it has to do with well covid um 
and I'm just not in a place where I want to date anyone um, and not because of the amputation, but uh, I'm very curious about what that will be like. So I'll check back in with you about that particular one later. But there are people called devotees. Have you heard of this? Yes, a little bit, but I haven't talked much about it on the podcast. Right. So to give the audience some context, a devotee is someone who is devoted to amputees and they fetishize amputees and they basically look at stumps the way some people would look at breasts or ass. Um, Mm. It's like Like having a preference for how it's supposed to look. Mm hmm. Interesting. Having a preference for how it should look and like the more like traumatic the amputee is, I think the more sexualized they are with a varying degree of the devotee community. I am not trying to cast them as a monolith and say that all devotees are the same. I have encountered some very lovely people who understand my boundaries. Like when I say I'm not comfortable with that, they like back off and they're very nice about that. And I appreciate that, which is not very common in sex work. A lot of Mm -hmm. times when you express your boundaries to sex work's clients, they can try to negotiate with you, um, Mm -hmm. which I've not found that to be the case with too many devotees. But I did recently have a person come into my DMs and tell me that I would be an even hotter amputee if I had an above the knee amputation. So right and now you're like, okay, yeah, I'll get right on that and do right. that just for you. Right. So I have a below the knee amputation now, but if I had more of a traumatic amputation, I would be hotter for this person. And I was furious at that message because I can imagine. <laughs> yes. Because I'm literally right now in this time grieving the death of my leg for the first time in almost a year, I'm finally like, oh, Mm -hmm. right. I, part of my body is dead and gone forever, which is a really Mm -hmm. strange concept because it's not like a family member died. It's part of my body is dead, which is like blows my mind, you know? And then to have grief doesn't discriminate, you know, I feel, I think it can feel the same in the body and it's, it's the loss of something, whether that be a pet, a part of yourself, someone who has Alzheimer's, someone who passed, like it, I think it feels the same in the body. Yeah. Well, it took me like freaking 10 months to figure that out. And so, yeah. So any, anyone like, it's just really, it was really uncalled for. and, And it reminded me of like, how some men tell women, oh, you're so beautiful, but you'd look even better if you had your boobs done. Mm. You know, it was like that. And I'm like, uh, th- this is trauma, though. Like, your boobs are an elective surgery. Fuck you. I'm not cutting off my legs. So you think I'm sexier. I mean, I imagine you've gotten that type of unsolicited feedback before mm. being a, you know, a sex worker and a, mm-hmm. and a dancer. How do you respond to this, like, unsolicited bullshit? Or do you just not even merit a response? I think, again, it depends on, like... How you're feeling. How I'm feeling and, like, what the fiduciary situation is at the time. How much Mm. money do I need? How much money do I not need? How much money do I think I can get out of them? So there's a lot of, like, in those scenarios playing the game. But but trying Mm. my best, always trying my best in my work and my sex work to at least subliminally, if not super directly helping them learn a lesson and how to not hurt people 
other people besides whatever situation they might have put me in, how to hurt people emotionally or um, in the next scenario they find themselves in. Like, you know, I'll, you know, depending on, like I said, if I've got a ton of money, I'm doing really well that night. And the person I'm talking to is like, not, I'm not going to make a lot of money off of them. I'll just say directly to them, this is not cool. This is why. And then other times it might be like a more lengthy, compassionate conversation. And I mean, I like to think that people have the capacity for growth. And I imagine someone who's like asking that in your DMs maybe doesn't have a lot of insight and like might not take that in. But shoot, I would hope that they would take it in and and make a shift moving forward. I wrote to them and said, don't ever do this again to anyone else. This Mm -hmm. is extremely hurtful. I'm grieving. You have no idea what it's like. So I should cut my leg off to suit you? Like I wrote that. I said, please, please don't do this to anyone else ever again. And he apologized. So I don't know Mm. if he learned or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, don't answer if it's, you know, it sounds like it's pretty fresh. Why did it take 10 months to maybe (laughs) get to a place of, of that grief? And I mean, my answer to that is like grief looks fucking complicated for everybody you know sometimes there's um you know lack of acceptance sometimes we're sad sometimes we're angry sometimes we do accept like Mm -hmm. it's not linear yeah I have a pattern of packing trauma away and dealing with what I would consider more pressing matters and then I go back to the trauma when it's like okay now I have now everyone else is okay I'll deal Mm. with this trauma now. And so I did that because Mm. um, I, you know, I went into the hospital on May 28th to have my amputation the next day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, three days before that, George Floyd had been murdered. And Mm. so I, you know, I spent the first month uh, during my healing of trying to negotiate with my doctor and my mom, like, I'm going to protests. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, you're not. You just got your leg cut off. And so I was like, okay, so what else can I do? And so I, I did as much work as I could, not just for, you know, the racial awareness discussions and, and things that were coming up from that very specific time, but also like just balls to the wall working for sex workers and raising money and doing mutual aid and informing yeah. of them their rights and trying to help them figure out how to get money from the government. And there wasn't a moment to stop because so many mm-hmm. people needed so many other things at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I was on sometimes a that's, I know for a lot of my clients and for myself, sometimes that's a, a trauma response in and of itself or just a survival exactly. response of like, mm-hmm. this is too much. And I, I'm not ready to deal with this right now. Yeah. So let's let's do some other things I feel like I can control a little bit. Exactly. And I was on a lot of drugs and then for the first month. And so like after a month of being like, I'm fine, I can do this. I was just like, this is not a problem. I can cut my leg off and mm. keep going and not ever have to think about this. And then nine yeah. months later, it was like, hi, hi, I'm still oh, here. Fuck. Hi, let's talk. <laughs> uh, th- thank you for showing up, intrusive thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, coming back to the fetishizing part, it sounds like on one hand, obviously there's a part of it that feels really shitty and really, um, yeah, like objectifying. But then on the flip side, as maybe some marginalized folks do, they're like, okay, well, how can I um, use this in an empowered way to like make money? Yeah, more 
how can I use this in an empowered way to inspire others? Um, mm. My drive to make money, I don't know where that is right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I just, I just want other people to feel heard and seen. That's mm. my main motivation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want people to take away mm. from your, your story? Mm. Oh, to just be so incredibly kind to yourself. I think we all have a really bad habit of being mean to ourselves. Um, And I think it starts with like, for me, what I'm practicing is how do I have compassion for others? Like no matter what, because then that translates into compassion for myself. I notice Mm -hmm. that the more I judge others, the more I start to judge myself. Um, Yeah. Or the less happy we are with ourselves. Right. And so I'm really, I mean, really looking hard to find compassion for people who, you know, just suck mainly (laughs) (laughs) for shitty people. (laughs) Yeah. Cause if you can do it for the worst, for what we deem like bad people, which I don't believe there are bad people. I think people do bad things. Um, then you can do it for anybody and then you do it for yourself. Yeah, I I resonate with that, especially in my therapy work, because I kind of have to find, try to find empathy for whomever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to see what happened to turn somebody into what, where they're at, whether yeah. that be trauma or, you know, genetics or their own experiences or whatever. And, um, oh, it's, it's not always easy. So good on you for taking that on. It's a hard <laughs> muscle to flex. Thanks. Thank you. Um, and I mean, it sounds like maybe, I don't know if you're in that space now, but I know that on your Instagram, I've watched you do some hot ass classes and dances mm-hmm. with and without the lower part of your leg, like mm-hmm. before and, and after. Um, how do you think people have responded differently? You know, I think that my followers are very devoted to me. Because I'm so incredibly open Mm. and basically tell them almost everything. And so I don't feel like there's been that much of a difference because I feel like they've been with me the whole time. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I was one way, went really quiet for a while and then came back a different way. You know, it's yeah, you've been open the whole time. Right. And they've grown and evolved with me and on their own. And as I've grown and evolved and it's it's like having this really huge extended family. Mm -hmm. I really do care about my followers a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it obviously shows and obviously I watch your dance videos and how was it to relearn I know so many folks yeah. who have both lower parts of their legs. And <laughs> fuck that. It's hard work. Stripping and dancing is fucking hard work. This episode is sponsored by Dipsy. Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. 
Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. They also have an awesome wellness section that helps you drift off to sleep with sensual thoughts or relaxing soundscapes. I don't know about you, but I love to try to induce sex dreams, and this helps. I love it as a way to connect with my body and myself, but also as a way to explore desires with my partner. It can also help one of us become more in the mood when the other is already ready to go. They release new content every week, so there's usually something new to check out or return to a classic fave. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash S and S. dipsystories.com slash S and S. And while you're listening to Dipsy, work out and get some blood flowing with The Intensity by Pormwa. It will help you get excited to work out your pelvic floor muscles. Pormwa is offering our listeners an additional $25 off of Intensity when you go to pormwa.com and enter code SNS at checkout. You can use this code along with any other code offered on their website. Intensity by Pormwa is a sexual health stimulation device that looks like a vibrator, but it's so much more. It actually tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles and vagina for you. It's like a trip to the gym for your pelvic floor. My dog agrees. She's growling in the background. <laughs> she really agrees. Kegel exercises have been scientifically proven to strengthen orgasms. They can also assist in bladder control and enhance sensation during sex. While vibrating, the intensity by Pormois uses muscle stimulation along with the resistance of an inflatable probe to safely pinpoint those muscles and will exercise them automatically for you. And if you don't feel like exercising that day, it's just a fun stimulation, friend. Remember, though, some of us don't need more toned pelvic floors for folks who have pelvic pain and vaginismus, so consult a pelvic floor therapist to make sure it's right for you. Pormois is offering our listeners that additional $25 off of intensity when you go to pormois.com and enter code S&S at checkout. You can use this code along with any code on their website. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I.com and use promo code S&S. Pormois.com code S&S. Now back to the episode. How was it to relearn some of those new muscles? It was painful. It was painful. Physically, physically or mm-hmm. emotionally or both? Physically, I bet. physically painful. Um, yeah. Emotionally, I get emotional about it when I watch my past videos because I was just mm. so damn good at what I did. Um, mm. And not to say that I can't be back there someday, but it's definitely will never be the same. Yeah. But learning to dance again physically was complex also because Mm -hmm. my mode of transportation was changing. I had um, this thing called an eye walk on for Mm -hmm. a while. Um, And then so it was just like a knee brace type thing. And then Mm -hmm. and then switched to the prosthetic. And what a lot of people don't know, unless you're like really closely following me, is that the prosthetic itself had to change as well Mm. because your stump shrinks in the beginning of being an amputee pretty significantly in the first year and a half. So I'm already on my second prosthetic. And so Mm. every time I get a new prosthetic, it's like wearing a new shoe or a new pair of shoes. 
most people wear a new pair, um, not just one. Yeah. Uh, and so it's getting used to like the feeling inside the prosthetic and then getting used to like having to pivot is strange because I worry about my knee staying in place mm-hmm. and then the bottom part of the leg. Tw- so it's just a lot to think about when yes. you're just trying to maybe like be in the moment. Correct. A lot to think about. I mean, did the desire to dance like help you stay motivated in, in physical therapy? Yes. I mean, yes, I didn't do a lot of physical therapy because I kept dancing and um, that was your physical therapy. Yeah. 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 And I know that um, you've been in the industry for a while, but mm-hmm. you, uh, sometime back you were a Spearmint Rhino Entertainer of the Year. Yeah. And what do you think, like, now and then, like, what does it take to be a quote-unquote good entertainer? Um, there's all kinds of things. So there's, you know, using your face, changing your face to tell the story in the dance. Mm-hmm. Um really staying connected with the audience, really maintaining engagement with the audience and musicality and, you know, threading your outfits, makeup, music, and dance style all together in a way that's cohesive, that also tells a story. So I think, you know, in general, all this bullshit is that we do every day this is all just stories we tell each other stories we live off of stories we watch Mm. stories on tv we read stories in books we read stories the masks that we wear yeah life is just a series of stories and so like i really try to capitalize on that um when i was in a capitalistic mood uh (laughs) so yeah i just telling a story and telling it really well while really being engaged with the audience and like making the audience feel like I see them when I'm up Mm -hmm. there and not just like they're watching me, but like making them feel like I am watching them almost. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like with that, like eye contact. (laughs) Yeah. Eye contact. And then like, but doing it in such a way where it's like you get to have moments with them. Mm. Like when yeah, you f- connection moments of connection. Yeah, like when I fling a pair of panties up into the air and catch it with my teeth, and then I stop and I look someone dead in the eyes, almost like, "Did you see that?" And they're like, <laughs> and, "And like just the eye capture is almost more exciting than the act of catching the panties from the air." It's like, have you ever them. missed? Have you ever missed it? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you do? Just make it part of the part of the thing. Do a head whip or something. Do a head, or just yeah. like, you know, do the emoji, you know, or like whatever, you know, where her <laughs> arms are out. Yeah. Um, and I imagine you've worked in, in lots of different clubs um across the across the country. Obviously things are changing now and a lot of folks have been doing like virtual strip club events, but any advice for like finding I guess a better fit, you know, for a club or a place that feels good, feels safe, um, doesn't suck. I mean, I chose Jumbo's Clown Room because I um, was fed up with the nude industry, the nude strip Mm. club industry in L.A. What were you finding that was a problem there for you? Uh, I felt unsafe. Mm. And that was the main that was the main thing. I just felt Mm -hmm. unsafe. Um, yeah, yeah, because there was not enough there's, you know, I was just getting assaulted constantly by customers because 
there was a varying degrees of what dancers would allow or not allow. Mm. And um, the sex work was rising in the strip clubs, which is fine. And that's where I would prefer it to be. But because everyone had different boundaries. Well, not only that, there's no conversations around how you should treat the dancer. So like Mm. there's no conversation around if a dancer doesn't want to do these things, that is their right and prerogative to refuse that. And therefore, that means you must adhere to those wishes and not take what you want. Yeah. So and because we don't as a society have enough conversations with around sex around sex and with specifically men actually that's not true i've experienced this with women as well feeling entitled to grabbing Mm -hmm. my body um yeah but we don't sometimes i don't want to say worse but like i can imagine sometimes because it's like oh we're both girls like yeah like oh we're women i could do this to you it's like no and so not enough of that conversation especially at that time i mean this was Mm -hmm. 2007 this is like pre-youtube basically I think YouTube came out that year. And so like we just weren't having these types of woke conversations on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And so I was feeling very uncomfortable. I was constantly getting assaulted and there was no, there was nothing. No repercussions. Exactly. That's the word. Thank you. And so I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, and I went to Jumbo's Clown Room because I, um, it was, it's like no contact lap dancing and um, not getting nude on stage, which I just got tired of after a while. Yeah. And for folks who, who are tuning into the podcast for the first time, um, go back and check out a, another episode. You are probably colleagues with Caroline Blake um, talking More than about uh, yes, talking about jumbos and, um, and and all of that. So mm-hmm. that could be your part one of this uh, of this episode. Yeah, Caroline's more than a colleague. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> she's one of my friends, best friends. lovers. Yes. Oh, please tell friends. her I said hello. Yeah, I will. I will. I would say, like, definitely, if you're looking for a new club, to do your homework and like think about what you really want and what you what your goals are and like what your boundaries are is really huge. And mm. then you're just gonna have to try out a few places or like or hire dancers there to consult with like you know pay them an hour for their time and like talk to them about what they like and don't like yeah Mm. and how I mean maybe this is like an obvious question but like why aren't there like repercussions is it just because like the management doesn't care or they're doing the same bs or they could just feel like oh you're a dime a dozen we can replace you like what what is the what's the systemic issue here all of the above of what you just said Mm. that the managers don't care the managers are also potentially not always assaulting the dancers yeah they feel like they can replace us which truth be told they can uh Mm. (laughs) yeah there's plenty of people that uh want the job and they're more than happy to hire less experienced people yeah they can take more advantage of them Yeah. I mean, part of me like hates, I think it's important to acknowledge like issues and systemic issues in sex work and strip clubs. And part of me doesn't like to do it because it's, this happens in every job, you know, it's not just sex work. And, and when you talk about it in sex work, then it's like more reason to have the puritanical people try to like shut down and make anti-sex work regulations. But like whether you work at, in, at a strip club or in HR or at a 7-Eleven or as a therapist, like there are people who treat you shitty, 
who like don't respect your boundaries, who take advantage of your work in this like capitalistic culture. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's not just, I mean, I don't know what you think, but that's kind of my, I'll get off my soapbox, but it's, it's a hard line to walk. Cause we want to like call it out, call it in and fix it, but also not, um, make it so that folks can't do their work. Yeah. We as a society are terrible at dealing with issues regarding sex. Mm-hmm. in any scenario yeah we're terrible at it and it's embarrassing because the only way that we are here and alive mm-hmm. and there's so many of us is because we all had sex with each other so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so what's the big fucking deal why can't we yeah. talk about this thing that literally creates us out of thin air mm. I mean, and I know that kind of going back to the the amputee stuff, like I hear that obviously there are devotees who like sexualize and maybe fetishize amputees more, but I'm also hearing and and would imagine that there are people who desexualize you. Like, how could you, or maybe even to yourself, like, how do you have sex with this? What are your thoughts on that? Well, my big thing is like, how am I going to be on my knees? You know, like, am I going to be able to Mm. take the pressure? Because like my left knee is a little weaker and like I don't have the leverage. Like, let's imagine I'm doggy style. You Uh know, I won't have the same leverage on my left side that I will on the right side because I can't like press my feet into the bed or tuck my toes under on my left side, you know? So I just don't know. Or like Mm. if I'm on top, Will that be like too much pressure going up and down on my knee? I, it's like yeah. little things like that. And then I have noticed like, right, I'm not looked at like I used to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to be like, you know, because I'm pretty hot, you know. And so like people would just stare at me. Now I'm looked at as like, what's going on with her? Mm-hmm. What's going on over there? Like, and and I don't feel like it's like a damn you're sexy kind of thing i feel like it's a wow you look interesting so i i Mm, how does that how does that feel to notice the change in gaze i don't really know because i don't think i care and i'm like uninterested in feeling like i'm uninterested in anyone being interested in me anyway so but Mm. like in in the shows that i do like the online shows I'm yeah. still looked at as highly sexual and sexy. Yeah. And are there like creative fun things that you've like used your stump for that you like or other folks like? Yes. Well, I created an oversized fleshlight and it's big enough that it might I use the stump as like the penis and it like oh my gosh I yes. love do you do you like it is it any fun it's it's very fun and it's very beautiful my my wonderful neighbor helped me make it was she made most of it I was just yeah with what how it sounds awesome I have to look this up we got like this <laughs> pipe like the a plastic pipe at home yeah. depot and like spray painted it black and we got like foam and cut it and like designed it and spray painted it and yeah yeah she's a genius so that or like i poured sexy stuff on it like glitter and mm-hmm. oil and or yeah. I put, like i put whipped cream and a strawberry on top once you know i yeah i have a i have a friend and colleague who has a um they were they were born this way but they have a an arm stump um mm. and uh i've seen them uh 
fuck people with it and it's pretty hot that's hot <laughs> i think it's so hot that's, damn that's really nice yeah i'm sure there is someone who has uh relaxed enough in their pelvic floor that could maybe take your leg well yeah it's it's big it's pretty big <laughs> yeah i have not start that start yet. with fisting and maybe work your way up to it <laughs> okay that do you think you do you think you would uh i, I don't see why not if it works you know i would want it to be comfortable you know yeah, yeah i'm open totally. to it why not it's big <laughs> how, yeah how does it feel to like use i guess use that as a part of your your act and stuff i mean look it's a it's a part of your body only obviously one part mm-hmm. but yeah to use it for like the flashlight and the and the glitter and the things like that like do you enjoy it is mm-hmm. it more just like you know for the show like is it a little bit of both both yeah i do enjoy it um because yeah. it's it's me now so yeah, like you're practicing love and loving on it. Absolutely. I'm very accepting of it. Yeah. Despite the grieving for the other part of it, I'm, I'm very yeah. accepting of it and it's, it's beautiful. It healed really nicely and it, it, it's a really beautiful job. So mm. yeah. And I mean, I think the one thing that frustrates me, I mean, there's so many things that frustrate me, <laughs> um, but when thinking about like any kind of like physical or any disability because doctors are not trained, most of them are not trained in human sexuality. I'm guessing your doctor wasn't like, here's what you can do so that you can have doggy style no. if you want to. <laughs> no. And wouldn't that be great if doctors did? Because yes. <laughs> there are so many creative options out there to like take the weight off, to be in a harness, to, um, you know, maybe exercises you can do. But I'm guessing nobody taught that to you. No, and uh, honestly, I probably if if you know if and when it becomes a great concern of mine, I probably mm-hmm. would go to a sex health expert. You know, I'd probably go to someone in my sex worker network that yeah that would know best better than my doctor. You know, so totally yeah, and it, it's fine that they didn't tell me that. I mean, or it would have been nice if they were like, hey, we, you know, here are resources for all of the things that you might be dealing with that are coming up. Like, here yeah. is a good book to read when you're in the process of grieving your body part, or here's an article. Mm-hmm. To, there was none of that even, you know, or yeah. like, um, here are some things to look at at common uh, common feelings and sensations that you'll get over the next two years. Like, none of that you know mm. um there were some exercises of how to deal with phantom pain like tips because the phantom mm, pain like is, feeling the pain in the oof, part that's gone the phantom pain is really disturbing and strange and so they they gave me some inf- just a little bit of info on that but yeah. just in general i don't think that there was enough i think they're just like okay on your way you know yeah. it was pretty much like that yeah and for folks who don't know what what is phantom pain so phantom pain is the nerves are still sending messages through the same alleyways that they sent messages when your foot was there. And so mm. the nerves are still sending messages saying, my foot hurts, my foot hurts, and the foot's wow. not there. And so it sometimes it feels icy hot, like so hot it's cold and vice versa. Sometimes mm. it feels it sounds like, so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, it's very uncomfortable. Sometimes it falls asleep. 
Wow. And then I can feel it waking back up again when I'm like, oh, my foot's asleep. And then I'll, you know, when that you sounds fi- fucking it's wild. so fucking weird. And you know how when like your hand falls asleep or whatever and you can like feel it and you're like, OK, let me shake it this way. And you can yeah, and you feel can. the blood come back. I can feel like it feels like blood is rushing into my foot. That's not there. Whoa. Yeah. And then sometimes it feels like it's smashed all over again. That's the worst. Fuck, how do you how do you deal with that? Um weed. You're like I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I smoke weed, meditating, um and then yeah. there's a a mirror technique where mm. um so like I I'll put my right foot in front of the mirror and I'll put my left yeah. foot behind the mirror and then mm-hmm. I'll look at the mirror so it the the reflection it looks like it's your exactly foot. and then you rub or mm-hmm. do things to the right foot that you wish you could do to the left foot and then it tricks yeah. your brain yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think some people when they've had any kind of trauma sometimes turn towards like sex and sexuality as like a coping tool but a lot of folks who are dealing with like chronic pain um don't have the energy or the spoons for it like yeah. How, how has it showed up for for you? Oh, it's extremely exhausting and it's depressing and it's yeah. feels never ending. It feels like it'll never go away. And so then I have to remind myself that it will um, mm. because I don't want to get trapped in this negative talk cycle. Um, and, yeah. But it's like it just takes me longer to do stuff. It just mm. takes me it takes more energy to be. I'm not nearly as active even like work-wise as I used to be just because I'm just sometimes just struggling to keep my eyes open and not be in fits of rage. Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess that comes back to what you're talking about with the Mm self-compassion. Yeah. And is there anything that you would want to or like to hear from folks for support? Because I know you know, this is different for everyone, but I've heard from some folks saying like, don't tell me I'm brave. Don't tell me I'm like doing X, Y, and Z versus some people like hearing that. Like, is there anything anyone can say that makes you feel held and supported? I guess just when people like send good vibes, like I know that sounds Mm. so cliche, but like I'm a firm believer. I don't think so. If it works for you. Yeah. Like I, I'm really um, sensitive to energies and um, there was this time, it was shortly after my accident when I was a half foot amputee and um, I, uh, there were a few days in a row where I felt like someone was in the room with me. And, Mm -hmm. um, and my place that I was living in at the time, I had never experienced any hauntings or energy fields there. And so it was a new feeling. And I was like, man, like it it felt so like positive, it felt very positive. And it felt so strong that a couple of times I had to stop myself from turning my head and speaking. Oof, giving me the chills. Yeah. And then, um, I had a friend who does Reiki come over Mm -hmm. right around that time and said, yeah, there's something here with you. There's an energy mm-hmm. here. There's someone or something here with you hovering over you. And I yeah. was and and we discussed that so many people were sending me such good vibes that I honestly believe that it, all like, of, made it a positive entity. I think it made a positive entity that was just hanging around in my space with me. And so mm. I really am a firm believer of sending good vibes and love. Like I really do think that it travels. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I, I just did an episode on Reiki. Was I don't know if you did any Reiki, but was that helpful for you? Oh, yes. I love Reiki. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's so much, I think, more we could cover uh, on this, but what do you want folks to, you know, like you said, you're, you're really in a space of like wanting folks to take things away and be, a, I don't know if inspired is the right word, but, you know, have that self-compassion. Um, what else do you want folks to know about your, you know, your experience and how they can make shifts in their own life? Um, I think, you know, just being very present, you know, has been so helpful and also being very critical in your thinking of the current world we live in and Mm -hmm. to dream of, of something different. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hate to use the word better because that would be my own judgment. Um, So just, just to really like think about what you envision, what a beautiful life would be. And, and like, just keep dreaming about that um, because this place we're in right now, this world is so fucked up. Um, and I am afraid to be in this world. And yeah. I never felt that way before. Mm. And so I, I'm really dreaming for unity and safety and joy and, and love and compassion for each other. And, um, and that looks really different than, uh, the system that we're in now. So I'm really putting a call into people to just think outside the box and think of a different type of society that we could, um, be in a place where we're just more compassionate and loving and accepting of each other. Yeah. And thank you for, I think for sharing that so, so vulnerably. And, um, it sounds like you weren't given like maybe all the resources that one, you would hope one would get after, you know, a surgery like this. Oh no. Have you found resources in the meantime and anything that's been most helpful, whether that be books or support groups or, um, you know, just friends or that positive energy? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm home now. So I'm with my, my mother and, and my family's home. Um, yeah. so I feel very protected. Um, you know, I was living in, um, in a, like a space of familiarity with yeah. this, all this newness. Yeah. And right after, you know, where I was living at the time of my amputation was completely chaotic, very unsafe. Um, and so, yeah. So being in a safe space when you're healing is really important. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing sleep meditation, healing sleep meditation, which has been mm. really, uh, genius. And yeah. gentle stretching classes and nothing that's like super, uh, what's the word? Rigorous, you know, just like easy. Yeah, like way. loving ki- loving kindness exactly. stuff. Yeah. So, and then talking to my, my healing friends, friends that are also looking for healing or providing healing and like being very uh, selective of who I talk to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm really honored that you are. I know I'm, I'm kind of a stranger to you, but I'm really <laughs> <laughs> grateful that you are willing to, to share it and be so vulnerable. And yeah. Um, yeah, if I can ever offer any other resources or things, <laughs> I definitely you. love to connect people with other healers. That's why one of the reasons I did this podcast. And yeah. it sounds like you could um, be that for lots of other folks, too. Thank you. So I'm, I'm grateful um, that you're willing to take the time and, and chat with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
Um, so how can folks find you, support you, hire you, devote, be a devotee <laughs> if you would like them to be? Um, yeah, so I am on Instagram and Twitter at the queen of sexy. Make sure you put in the and spell it all the way out on Instagram because I'm shadow banned. Yeah, um, I was going to say, but also fuck Instagram for all yeah, of this shit. Yeah, I said and Twitter. Um, yeah. And then Yes, the Stripper podcast is um, also on Instagram and Twitter. It's Yes, the Stripper podcast or Yes, a stripper pod on Twitter. Yeah, because and uh, what can folks expect from uh, from that podcast? Oh yeah, what, um, uh, what kind of listeners would like that? Yeah, so yes, a stripper podcast is all about strippers and all of the amazing things that they do, and we discuss the marginalized folks and ways in which um, you know to create better uh, spaces for those that are marginalized and what it means to be marginalized and all of those things. And, um, right now I'm actually preparing to pass the mic and bring on, um, new hosts that will be, um, people of colors so that I can sit my white ass down and shut the fuck up for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if you are listening, uh, I know I've got some folks of color strippers that are listeners out there. Um, maybe hit up yes, a stripper if you're looking for a platform. Yeah. Still looking for new hosts. I have one, but I would like more. Awesome. Love it. Um, And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars while while they'll have me also shadow banned on (laughs) Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Um, And best to go to slutsandscholars.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review and check out the advertisers so I can keep doing this. Thank you so much. (laughs) 